Do you ever feel like you've missed out? Like your opportunity has passed? As if the wave to experience a full life has rolled out to sea, knowing it's gone for good. Missing one wave doesn't mean you've missed the rest. A new wave is coming. God is moving. Will you trust the wave maker? Hey, Bethel, how you doing? Good to see you. Whoa, that was kind of weak. Let's try that again. Hey, Bethel, how you doing? Oh, yeah, there we go. There we go. Um, I don't know if anybody else had this experience, but I felt like we were on January, you know, like 72nd. <laughs> January didn't seem to end. It just kept going and going and going. I'm so glad that we are in February, February 2nd. We are in Super Bowl territory. I know you don't care about that. Um, so is it the Cowboys or the Steelers? Who was going to Who'd you guys go? Okay. Oh, the Chiefs. Okay. All right. Whoever the underdog is, that's who I'm going for. It's whoever the underdog is. I don't know even know who that is. The Chiefs. They're the underdogs? All right. So are they? No? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, before we get started this morning, I, wanna ha- I have a little bit of a housekeeping uh, to talk about. I'm going to do this again, Sean. I'm so sorry, but one last time, okay? Sean Armstrong, if you don't know him, he's our uh, video guy. He's the guy that gets our streaming online. And uh, so if you'll look back and look at him and just make it really awkward for him, this will be the last time you see him today. Um, actually, this this year, he's being transferred to um, the East Coast with his job. And we are really, I'm mad about it. I've been praying. God didn't listen to my prayers, but we still have till Friday. So if he shows up next Sunday, we know that, you know, my prayers worked, but he said it could happen, right? No. So Sean's moving on. Sean has been a blessing, like a major, major blessing. He uh, has been in our video ever since it was like kind of crude and now it's gotten better and little by little. And so anytime you've experienced something online, that's for Sean. Let's give him a round of applause for all that he's done. He loves, he loves hugs and gift cards. And so if you will look him up after the service, give him a hug, give him a gift card. He'd be so happy. Uh, but thanks, Sean. It's so good to have you. It has been a great thing to have you in our church. And Godspeed where you're, where you're headed. Hopefully you can find a church and get plugged in with them like you've heard, done here at Bethel. Um, also, I had a conversation this week with our missionary there in Mongolia. And we, as you know, we have a missionary trip planned for April. And we were concerned about our coronavirus, the coronavirus that's going around. And so I contacted our missionary there and was asking him about logistics. And he sent me an email back that they're shutting all the borders. They have all the borders shut. They're not getting any travel in, but also it affects the trucks and it affects the transport of food. And so um, he said they're kind of food insecure coming up in the next month. And so if we'll pray for him that God would continue to bless their family, continue to take care of them. Uh, They're trying to keep it. uh, They have a certain date on the calendar in March. They're just trying to keep it restricted to make sure that that doesn't get over into Mongolia. So if you'll just pray for him his family, they're doing a great job there. It's really been cool to watch. Uh, Bethel, as you know, has partnered with them. We have um, raised enough money to secure property and build a building there, and that's what we're going to, to see there when we go in April. So if you'll just pray for that. Our, uh, no, the other thing that I want you guys to, 
to think about is ministry ops and our mission ops. These are two opportunities. Here's the link on the website, on the, on the screen. Our ministry ops are just an opportunity for you to catch waves that are happening around us here at Bethel. And so if you'll go to the website, you can actually uh, sign up and register for different opportunities uh, right here at Bethel. Um, from being in the music to the tech team to there's lots of spots open, and we want you to go and apply for those. And so if you'll think about that. And then Mission Ops is the, the next one, and this is opportunities to serve here locally in Yukon and also different places around the world. We have a mission team that's starting this month. And so if, you'd like, if you're interested and you'd like to join us in that effort, just go to the website and sign up for our uh, ministry opportunities and our mission opportunities, okay? The last thing is community groups. Community groups here at Bethel, we believe in connecting outside of a Sunday in a smaller group setting. And so this um, 16th of February, here in a couple weeks, we're launching our spring semester of our community groups. And so if you're not involved in a community group, I want to encourage you to go to our website, sign up, register, and we'll get you plugged into a small group of of people that get together, some in homes, some here at the church, some at different places. And we want to make sure we get you in a group so you can know someone uh, better. We're going to talk specifically about the life of Gideon and how God has called us to a dangerous life. If you know Jesus and the spirit of the living God is in you, you are dangerous. And so we're going to talk through that, what that means, what the implications are, and we're going to start that here in a couple weeks. So make sure you get signed up for that. Uh, We're looking for a couple more host homes. And so if you're interested in that, please get on there, register, and we'll get you signed up. Uh, for that. We really appreciate that. It's been uh, a fun part of our journey to have community groups so you can get together in a smaller group, get to know someone better, and then also learn more about scripture, encouraging one another. So I want to take some time. I want us to pray before we get uh, started this morning. I want to pray for Sean and that he gets all set and ready to go for this weekend, and then also pray for our missionaries there in, in Mongolia, okay? Let's pray. God, this morning, we are grateful for Jesus. We know that without him, we are nothing. Uh, Scripture says that Jesus came to this earth as a servant, and he saved us and allowed us to be connected with you, the Father. So this morning, I pray that as as our Father, that you would take Sean, be with him, guide him, direct him, send him to the right place, the right people, that he'd be connected in your church, that he could uh, find a place of ministry. I thank you for the the time that he's been with us, uh, that you've loaned him to us, and the encouragement he's been to our online presence and to the the, uh, the people's lives that have been affected uh, through that ministry. I pray that you give him another opportunity as he moves to the East Coast. Uh, God, thank you so much for, for him. We know that he's part of our family, and this is not goodbye, but see you later, and we're so grateful for him. I'm also praying for Mongolia, uh, for this virus that's going around. I, I pray that, God, you would give the right people the right skills to contain, to find a, um, <clears throat> an antidote, to find a uh, a medicine, God, that would that would uh, cure, that would fix. And uh, at the same time, I pray for wisdom uh, for the, our missionaries there in Mongolia, God, that they would be uh, wise at taking this opportunity to reach more people with the good news of Jesus. Also, that they would be secure in their food. Um, I pray that you would provide for all their needs. We are grateful to partner with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, we're in week five, and today is about transformation. We're going to dig in about catching this wave, and, and I don't know if you've had this experience, but if you've gone to the beach and you've actually caught a wave, there's two reactions. The first reaction is, I didn't like that, I was scared, it tossed me around, I got hurt, and I'm out. So that's one reaction. 
Okay. Second reaction is, this was the best thing I've ever done. It was scary, but it was a thrill. There was adrenaline. I got a dopamine hit, and I'm ready for, to do this again. Okay. So who's scared and is never going back to bug boogie boarding or surfing again? Okay. Got one over there in the back. Who says, man, that was the ride of my life. I want to try it again. I got to go back and back. Okay. 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 We've got a good, a good group. Now, what happens is a lot of times we experience the move of God or we experience a wave in our lives. We experience kind of this, this big thing that God's asked us to do, and we get scared and we step back. But this morning, I want us to actually dig in and realize God has something for you, and he's calling you to come into deeper waters to trust him and to actually do it again over and over and over again, to trust him because he is the wave maker. The bottom line for this morning is that once we experience Jesus, we are never the same again. Once we have a radical encounter with Jesus, once we realize what he has done for us, once we realize that he stepped out of paradise, stepped out of heaven, he came to be a man, and he lived on this earth, and he was perfect for 33 years, and he was calling people to himself. And you either loved him or hated him. You either chose him as your savior or you rejected him. And the same is still going on today. You either accept him, you follow him, or you hate him and reject him. Well, this morning I want to tell us. I want to tell you about an Old Testament and a Jewish scripture story in the very first book of the Bible, which is Genesis. And in this scripture, it's a beautiful narrative of where God Himself reveals Himself to man. God is actually showing Himself to man in the in the old scripture. You got to realize that uh, God was not present all the time. Once Jesus came to this earth, Jesus promised a comforter. He promised a, uh, a lawyer. He promised a guide in the Holy Spirit. And so today, we have God with us all the time. He's always present in our lives. But in old scripture, in the old time, in the ancient Near East, this was not the fact. This is not the truth. The presence of God would come down individually on people's lives and make himself known to individual people. And so in the story that we're going to see this morning, which is the story of Jacob, God made himself known to Jacob, and he chose him, and he showed up in his life to do something different. So we're going to talk about Jacob, and if you've read through Genesis, it's a really exciting book, but the story of Jacob and Esau, these were twin brothers. They were completely different. One was hairy, and one was not hairy. One was a hunter, and one was a farmer. They were completely different, and Esau was born first. And so in Jewish culture, in this time, in, in, in the, the world, in the culture, the firstborn got all the blessing. The firstborn got all the reward. And so when dad would die, he would pass on the blessing to the firstborn, and the rest of them were just like second, the second fiddle. They didn't matter. Well, Jacob decided, I'm going to take my brother's blessing. I'm going to take it because, number one, God said this was going to happen. But number two, he was a trickster. He was kind of a deceiver. And if you read through the narrative and through the story, he actually tricked his dad. He tricked his brother and took his brother's birthright as the firstborn. Now, this trickster, um, one day Esau was hunting and he was starving. And so he came home and he was really hungry. And his brother, Jacob, had this stew on the, on the, on the fire. And he's like, give me some stew, give me some stew. And he goes, no, I'm not going to give you any stew. And he goes, give me some stew, give me some stew. Whatever you want, I'll give it to you. And Jacob was like, hey, just give me your birthright. Esau's like, my birthright's no good if I'm dead, so take it. Well, he tricked him into taking his birthright, and then he thought he still was going to get it. So Esau thought he's still going to get it. So he tricked his dad into giving him the blessing, giving Jacob the blessing. Well, he did exactly what any normal person would do. His brother hated him. He was a hunter. And so he fled. He ran away. And we got to realize that Jacob was a deceiver. He was deceptive. He was uh, wrong. 
and he ran away while he encountered God as he ran away. He went to his mother's relative's house in Laban in Syria, and on the way, he stopped at this place where it describes here in Genesis chapter 28. If you have your Bibles, let's turn over to Genesis chapter 28, first book in the Bible. And if you have your, your phone, you can get on the Bible app and follow along there in the Bible app in our event. Chapter 28 of Genesis, verse 10. It says, Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. Verse 11, At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. Verse 12, As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from earth up to heaven. And he saw angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord. This is Yahweh. This is God. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more? I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until you have finished giving, until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. So this promise was not dependent on Jacob. This promise was dependent on God. And so think about it. Jacob was a deceiver. He was a mocker. He was a thief, and yet God pursued him. I'm not sure what your desire is for God today. Maybe you came to Bethel looking for something. Maybe you wanted to just go through the motions. Or maybe you came asking God, hey, this is my last-ditch effort. But you know what? God has been pursuing you, and you're not here by accident. God is pursuing you just like he's pursuing Jacob, and he will show up in your life, and he is the great transformer if you will recognize it today. Verse, um, verse 16, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none, none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up early, very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named that place Bethel, which means house of God, although, although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me, and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial I have set up and will place, uh, become a place for worshiping God, and I will, it will, I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. What an incredible story of pursuit, and it's interesting that, that Jacob put up some kind of caveats to the thing. Like, if God does this, then I will do this. But God's was not conditional. God's promise was unconditional. And God has promises for all of us that are unconditional. He says that if you'll call out to me, I will hear you. If you cry out to me and you call on my name, I will come in and I will make my home in your heart. The scripture says that he promises never to leave us or forsake us. He's always going to be with us. And these are con not conditional. These are unconditional promises that God has given each and every one of us. The truth is, as we see in the life of Jacob, is that God pursues those that are outcasts, those that are broken, those that are guilty. That's who God pursues. Many of us think, well, this, these people are good, and they're religious, and they're positive, and these are such good people, and we think, well, God pursues positive people. No, God pursues the broken, the outcast, and the guilty. 
And I'm glad for that because in my life, if it, if it wasn't for that, God would not pursue me because I am broken. I am outcast. I am guilty of the condemnation that God has because I have broken his law. And if you're here today and you recognize Jesus, you also are one of those outcasts. You also are one of those broken. You are also a guilty person. Jacob said, this place is God. God is in this place. He didn't just have an encounter with God, but something happened in the heart of Jacob. He arrived a man with a price on his head and the guilt of many deceitful tricks. He was guilty of stealing and in one sense, guilty of the sin that is worthy of death. And his brother was pursuing him. God in no way condones his actions, yet he chose Jacob in spite of it to lead his people even before he was born. At this location, God confirmed that he had chosen Jacob. And he would follow through no matter what Jacob did. No matter what, how Jacob responded, he was going to follow through. So Jacob arrived a man with a price on his head, with zero future. He was homeless. He was a wanderer. He was a man on the run from the murderous intentions of his brother Esau. He had a past. He deceived his father and his brother out of the blessing. And so today you may be coming and say, you know, I have a past. You don't know what I've done. Actually, Jesus knows what you've done, and he's still pursuing you. That God is still pursuing you. The same God that pursued Jacob is pursuing you. He left this place a man with a hope and a future. Jacob was transformed in this place. The second time he encounters God at the same place, the same place he encounters God again. He was on his way back. He departed from his father-in-law Laban. He reconciled with Esau. Esau and he reconciled their relationship together, which is a miracle. And he was a far better man than the first time, but he still wasn't complete. There was still something missing. So look in Genesis 35, verse 9. It says, now that Jacob had returned from Padam Aram, God appeared to him again at Bethel. God blessed him, saying, Your name is Jacob, but you will not be called Jacob any longer. For now on your name, from now on, your name will be Israel. So God renamed him Israel. Then God said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. You will become a great nation, even many nations. Kings will become, be among your descendants. And I will give you the land once I once gave to Abraham and Isaac. Yes, I will give it to you and your descendants after you. Then God went up from that place where he had spoken to Jacob. And Jacob once again set up a stone pillar to mark the place where God had spoken to him. Then he poured wine over it as an offering to God, anointed the pillar with olive oil, and Jacob named the place Bethel, which means house of God, because God had spoken to him there. He arrives as Jacob, and he departs as Israel. This new name is an assurance of the reality that he's a new man, that he's transformed. And this transformation is taking its place in his life. In the Israelite mind, this city, Bethel, is the city that was associated with renewal, with reorientation, and with transformation by God. And right now at Bethel Community Church, our name actually means something. Forty-some years ago when this church started and Bethel was this name, it means something because this is a place of transformation, a place of renewal, a, a place of reorientation. When we come here, we come into the presence of God. It's not this building. It's the people that make up Bethel Community Church. Because of this and several other encounters with God, this place is significant in the life of the Israelites. It says it's the house of God. We know that God can't be contained by a building or contained by a physical location, but 
He is bound to the people of God. And so as you come into this place as Bethel, and as we think about our church, Bethel Community Church, our name is highly significant because what we're saying is when I go to Bethel, I'm going to the house of God and I'm going for transformation to be renewed and to be reoriented. Bethel here has become a place of renewal. Bethel has become a place of reorientation. Bethel has become a place of transformation. Because when we gather together as a body, as we gather together as believers, we gather under the name of Jesus. God is here with us. Where two or three are gathered, we find in Scripture that he is there. And when we gather as a church, Bethel Community Church, we understand that this place is a place of transformation. When, when I encounter God, and I'm not sure what your experience has been, but when we encounter God, something changes. Something changes. We think differently. We look different. We work different. We talk different. We, we change. We are renewed and transformed. And, and what happens over time is our lives become complacent. We become used to what God is doing. And then we end up almost falling asleep and lulled into a sense of sleep. We stop learning, we stop growing, and we stop this experience of transformation. Something happens in our hearts where we just get lulled into sleep. Well, this morning, I want us to be challenged because I want us to understand that as we gather as a church body, God is calling us to continue this life of transformation. We're not complete. We cannot go to sleep. There's too much to be done in our community and around the world for us to just go to sleep and just say, oh, God will take care of it. God is calling each of us to continue to learn, to continue to grow. We'll never arrive at completeness until we stand before the Father. And so together, we need to encourage one another to find and follow Jesus. That's what we want to do. It doesn't mean that we need to become complacent. James chapter 2 is an amazing passage where in the New Testament, he refers back to the original scripture and he says, listen, a lot of people think it's about works. Some people think it's about faith. But it's actually a combination of both of them. Look at James chapter 2 and let's look at verse 14. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Verse 17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Now, we could get wrapped up in a theological discussion about where faith comes from, if I do anything to earn it. I will tell you very clearly, in Scripture, we see that faith is by Jesus alone. The only way we can come to know Jesus is by grace and by him reaching out and him saving us. There's nothing we can do. We can't earn it. We can't keep it. We don't deserve it. Faith is in Christ alone. He is the one that saves. And yet when Jesus comes into my life, when Jesus impacts my life, something has to happen and things change. Over and over again in Scripture, we see people on a certain path, and when they encounter Christ, they changed course. Well, if your life never changed course, we got to step back and say, man, what's going on? If my life doesn't look any different than it did before, I need to look at my own faith because faith produces results. Faith produces works. The worst thing is when we come to church is that just to get together and sing Kumbaya and say, Jesus, 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 leave and never, be the, never change. Faith 
continually produces something in me to do something, to do something. I cannot just sit and have a vertical relationship with God without it impacting the people around me. Because I can be in my prayer closet, and I can say, God, 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 and he'll show up in a dramatic way. But if it doesn't produce works, and it doesn't produce help to the people around me, my faith is useless. That's what James says. It's useless. Verse 19, it says, so you have faith. For you believe that there's one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Now, James says faith in God is good, but if that's all there is, it's not good. There's more to it than that. He says that that just puts us on par with demons, and they tremble. So if I just have faith, well, what is that? Faith produces action. If we don't do something, then our faith is dead. It results in good works. Verse 26 says, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. We note a subtle difference between believing that God exists and believing in the God who exists. Do you see the difference? There's a believing that he's there, okay, that's half the battle, but then putting my faith and confidence in him, it begins to transform me and change me into someone different. And like Jacob, we find that our actions are confirmed through our faith. So Jacob had an encounter with God, and then he began to change. And little by little, his life began to transform. And then he had another encounter with God, and God changed his very name. I wonder if any of us come to Christ and we're so radically transformed that people look at us and say, well, what in the world happened to you? You're completely different. You're transformed. You're not the same person that you were before. That's the power of God in our lives. Without breath, James says, the body is dead. And without good works, our faith is dead. It's got to produce something. Something's got to happen. You may examine your life, and you may actually look and say, man, there's no proof here. Like, if someone looked at my life, how could they tell that I'm a believer? How could they tell that I have faith in Jesus? And someone examines your life, and there's zero proof? Well, today is an opportunity for you to actually do something about it, because there's a possibility that you've never encountered Jesus. Because if you encountered Jesus, and you understood the true condition of your heart, which your heart is completely deceitful, it's desperately wicked, who knows your heart? Jesus came down, and he came out of heaven, and he reached down, and he wants a relationship with you. And if your life did not change, maybe you didn't meet him. But today you can. Private faith turns into visible action. It's not private. It turns into visible action. Your faith is possible through the word of God, and the proof of your faith is in action. So what are we to do as a community of Christ followers? What are we to do as believers? Hebrews has an interesting passage. If you've read through the book of Hebrews, the author talks about faith. And it says, without faith, you can't please God. It says that there's all these heroes of the faith. And, and, and we have people in the Old Testament and in the Jewish scriptures over and over again. They're mentioned like, these guys had incredible faith. And they never even saw God. But they had incredible faith. When we get to verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 12. It says, take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. It says here we need to get a, take a new grip with our tired hands and strengthen our weak knees. We, we have to do something. This ladder represents the steps that we take to follow Jesus. And there's many times that we have been on a faith journey 
and we grab hold of the ladder and we take a step and then we get tired and our hands get tired and we kind of step off. We say, well, someone else can do that now. I'm done. I've accomplished what I'm supposed to do. And then there's a lot of us that our knees are so weak that we've never been on our knees in the presence of God. We stopped a long time ago and we don't spend any time with God. You know, there's a internal struggle where I need to submit myself to Christ. The most powerful position you can be in on a daily basis is on your knees before the Father. And the Father will accept you. It's the most vulnerable, most vulnerable position you can be in. But a lot of our knees are weak. We stop spending time with Christ in Scripture and with Him. And we need to strengthen our knees. And then when we stand up, we need to get our hands and we need to take a grip of the next step. We cannot stop. Until Jesus comes, we need to keep moving forward. we got to do something. We have five things here at Bethel that we want you to catch. There's five areas that you can catch the wave this year. And these things have been scrolling on our screens for a whole year, and maybe you didn't even see them. But there's five areas that you can catch a wave, strengthen your hands, and take a step. Take one more step forward. And I'm going to walk through them this morning with you so we can take a new grip. First thing is connect. Connect. Belonging to a community that cares makes life better. You know, life in isolation and alone, it's just no fun. It's no good. It's lonely. It's depressing. But when we get into a community of believers, it's powerful. But here's one of the things that we forget. I need to connect with the Father every single day. It's never been easier than right now with our smartphones to get into Scripture every single day. You can set up a reminder to say, hey, don't forget to read your Bible. And you can set up a reminder in the Bible app. And you can say, hey, don't forget this. And we can be reminded throughout the day to connect with God, to connect with God. If there's no desire in your heart to connect with God daily, something's wrong with your faith. We need to connect with him daily. But then also connecting with other believers. I've looked around the room in the first service and this service, and i got to tell you, we're a bunch of weird people. A little weird, okay? Not only do we know Jesus, most of us, but we're just strange. And you're like, I don't see any strange people. Yeah, that's you. Just let that sit on you for a minute. We're weird. And so when we're supposed to connect in a community of believers, guess what it takes? It takes some effort. It takes a little bit of work because I'm going to have to interact with someone that has nothing in common with me. I'm going to have to interact with other people that, man, their past is so different than mine. And yet Jesus has called us into a body where I can't say, I don't need you. Oh, I like you. Oh, I don't need you. Connecting with other believers takes effort. And it's a beautiful thing when I realize the chaos and the mess of all the people around me that God has brought into a place called Bethel. And we get to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. Connection is a powerful thing. To be known and to know other people is the most powerful thing you can do. Get involved in a community group. Get involved with someone outside of Sunday. The second area is serve. Serving, love, loving others makes the world a better place. Loving others makes the world a better place. It's clear. If we don't serve, we don't understand what Jesus has done for us. Jesus came and became a slave, a servant. And when we're following Jesus, he said that the first will be last. He says the greatest will be servants. To be a follower of Jesus is actually to be a servant. I've got to do something. I've got to serve other people. I've got to put other people first. And it's extremely hard, but serving is powerful. Right now we have people that are serving our babies, serving our toddlers, serving our kids, serving our safety, serving the first impressions, the greed, opening doors. There's people serving all around us, and it's up to all of us to take a step up the ladder of serving. Bring, third area. 
experiencing love is contagious. Anytime we tell someone about something that we like, either a movie we've watched, TV show we've seen, a restaurant we've been to, the reason we open our mouths is because it did something for us and we want other people to know. But the most common thing that a Christian does is keeps our mouths shut when it comes to Jesus. We never talk about it. One of the questions I ask myself is, who is going to be in heaven because I led them to Christ? Who's going to be in heaven because I went and I said, hey, would you find and follow Jesus with me? If we can't think of anyone that is coming along the journey with us, we need to fix that because bringing someone along the journey, our spiritual journey, is a powerful thing. When I understand that eight out of ten of my neighbors and coworkers and friends and family will come to church if I'll just invite them, I need to begin to ask them. Because when I find transformation in Jesus, I can't help but bring someone else along with me. We, get, we have these impact cards. If you'll grab one on the way out, the impact card has three spots, and you can write three people's names and say, God, give me an opportunity to impact these three people this year. And if we would all do that together, this community out here, they need Jesus. We are living in a dark area that needs Jesus, and it takes us to be contagious enough to bring people along for the ride. The next thing is give. Being generous enriches others and blesses you. I met this guy one time. And there's not a week that goes by that I don't think about him. This is Vinny. He's a homeless man in Tulsa. Being generous at Bethel Community Church allows us to reach out and make a difference in people's lives. That allows us to reach out in our community and make a difference in people's lives. It allows us to reach out in the world and help other people find and follow Jesus. It helps this church continue to move forward to find and follow Jesus. We can't help but obey God with our financial generosity. A person that's been transformed becomes a giver. Did you, did you notice the part in Jacob that he says, if this all comes true, I'll give a tenth of everything I own. That's Jacob. That was before there was even any kind of law for giving. He just knew that if I've been transformed, I can't help but give. We need to be people that are giving. We need to step up our giving at Bethel because God has asked our church to catch a wave this year, and it's going to take total involvement of everyone. The last thing is commit. Following Jesus is more than just a weekend event. It's life. I wonder if someone popped into your Tuesday. If someone popped into your Tuesday afternoon, would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you of being a follower of Jesus? Sunday, we get together, we sing, and we praise, and we have a good time, and we encourage one another. But if someone popped into your Tuesday or Wednesday, is there enough evidence in your life that you're a Jesus follower? This is not just a weekend thing. This is a thing that happens 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are following Jesus. And my prayer is that we would commit together as a body. And my prayer is that we would commit together to know Jesus and commit to him seven days a week. And so this year, how are your knees? Have you, have you been on your knees praying, for, uh, praying to God? Or have you been on your knees with a relationship with the Father? Have you reached out and said, God, I'm vulnerable right now. I, I need you. I want to know you. Uh, you get in God's word every single day. Are, are, you, you, are you doing that this year? We need to step up into that. And then the very next thing here at Bethel is wherever you're at, maybe you're not even on the ladder. Maybe you're not committed. And you say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to get on the first ladder. If that's what God wants you to do, we want you to do it today. But maybe you're right here and you say, you know what? I probably should go up a little higher. So I'm going to go ahead and grip this and I'm going to stand up a little higher and I'm going to go up. All right, don't get scared. And some of you maybe are right here and you're like, you know, this, this view is pretty good. I'm, I'm doing okay. But God is never satisfied leaving us where we are. He actually wants us to actually step up a little more. 
in the first service, someone said, if you disappear, I'm going to freak out. <laughs> oh, no. Wherever you are, God is never satisfied to leave you where you are. He always wants to take you, and he wants to strengthen your grip, and he wants you to take a step further, a step further. And if you'll do this, our church will be radically transformed because we're not only going to be just hearers, we're actually going to be doers. This year, get a fresh grip with your hands. Step up. This year, get strength back in your weak knees and have a vital relationship with Christ. Transformation is where it's at. God is never satisfied with you just sitting. He wants you to be serving. Let's pray. God, this morning, we are so grateful that you don't leave us alone. We're so grateful that you call us to deeper waters. You call us to a deeper relationship. You call us into a life of transformation. And sometimes we get complacent. Sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we forget the mission. God, my prayer is that this morning your Holy Spirit would work, that you would call us and that you would strengthen our hands and that you would empower us in our relationship with you, that you'd empower us to do good. Our faith is worthless if we're not doing something. Our faith is worthless if there's no evidence. God, may we be a church that is transformed by Jesus. Boy, maybe, maybe we'd be a church that completely follows you step by step, no matter where you lead us. God, this morning I pray that you would draw people to you, that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would take a step up towards you. Before we finish this morning, I've just got one question. My question is about Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Do you really know him? I'm not saying that you know he exists. I'm asking, do you know him intimately? Have you given your life to him? Is he your savior? Do you depend in him? Has he transformed your life or do you just know things about him? I'm not talking about praying a little prayer. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about an intimate relationship a transforming relationship. Well, this morning, if you feel that drawing, if you feel that need and the Spirit is drawing you to Him, my prayer is that you just say yes. That you just say yes and open your life and let Him come in and transform you. Let Him make you new. And you say, Pastor Ray, that's my, my request. I need Jesus this morning. I need Him to come in and change my life. I need Him to come in and transform my heart. I need Him to come in and make me a different person, give me a new name, give me a new path. And you say, Pastor Ray, that's my prayer. Here's my hand. Pray for me. I'm not going to call you out, but I would love to pray for you this morning. Anybody like that this morning? Say, Pastor Ray, pray for me. Just lift your hand up, and I'll pray for you. I need Jesus this morning. I need him to come in and change me and transform me. Anybody like that? God, this morning, we believe that you are the transformer. You transform our lives, our hearts. You renew us. You set us on a new path. God, my prayer is that you would ignite a fire in Bethel Community Church where, God, your unstoppable power would flow through us and we would make a difference in people's lives around us. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for him invading our space and making us new. Now set us on this path for us to step up, for us to take another step of faith, 
in all these areas that we'd catch the wave in 2020. Thank you so much for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. This morning we are excited about Jesus being the way maker. Jesus promises that he'll never leave us or forsake us. He has promises in his scripture in scripture that he will be with us no matter if it's good or bad, when things are tough or things are great. He opens a path and he makes a way for us to follow him. And then he stays right with us. And he gives us the power and the desire to do what he asks us to do. And so this morning, I'd like us to all stand together and let's worship. And let's just spend some time in the presence of God and the presence of the Father, worshiping him because he's here in our midst and we can give our lives to him. He is the way maker. Let's worship together.